0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehelys Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight...
1: The latest in a series of setbacks for forces led by the rebel Tigray People's Liberation Front. Tigrayan forces retreated from Adwa after suffering heavy losses, one of the sources said.
0: That's Fred Harter reporting on new fighting in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Details coming up. Also, the fighting comes as peace talks get underway. And also in Nigeria, there is a new warning of possible terrorist attacks. We'll have these stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Today, in South Africa, peace talks began between the Ethiopian federal government and the leaders of the Tigray People's Liberation Front in an effort to end their nearly two-year-old war. So far, little is known about the meeting in South Africa. Joining me now is reporter Tuso Kumalo in Johannesburg, who's been chasing the story. Tuso, what have you been able to learn about the talks such as where they are being held and who is attending the talks here are
2: shrouded in secrecy I think that's the first thing that we should say because uh, I've tried to get a statement from the international department here uh, as to where the talks are taking place, what time, and to who is attending according to the reports that we got. But the response that I got to them was very mute. If I can quote uh, their uh, public diplomacy uh, officer, Iglesia Moniela, this is what he said to me. I quote he says the Department of International Relations has not issued any media statement on this matter please check with the people who communicated about the talks. Uh, obviously, uh, trying to distance his, his department from giving any statement or any hint about these talks. But what we know for now is that um, uh, the Tigran forces, uh, Spokesperson Kindea, uh, tweeted that uh, his delegation has arrived in South Africa, so they are here, according to that tweet. And, of course, the Ethiopian government uh, issuing a statement that uh, their delegation was leaving uh, Ethiopia, uh, uh, heading South Africa this morning. So what we know for sure from this statement is that they are here, but as to where they are, when they arrived, we don't know. And surprisingly also, we are not even sure if uh, uh, former uh, Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta is here, who is supposed to coordinate to facilitate the talks on behalf of AU and as well as the, the Nigerian President Odisekan Obasanjo. So everything for now is just as to what the statement we've heard from these two parties, but the authorities here have refused to confirm anything.
0: So, uh, is there any clue as to when we will have word about the meetings? It's
2: likely we all expect that by tomorrow we might have something because, considering that uh, uh, their are former presidents here, obviously they move around with security. Uh, as since authorities are not, seem not to be prepared to give out any information. we likely either to see the motorcade or something. So everyone is expecting that by tomorrow we might know uh, who is here and uh, who is facilitating, and if ever the talks have already started at all.
0: Our reporter in Johannesburg, Tuso Kumalo, on the planned peace talks between Ethiopia and Tigray forces. Thank you for your input. Thank you. As we just heard, peace talks between Ethiopian government officials and representatives from the leadership of the Tigray People's Liberation Front were to begin today in South Africa. Just ahead of the talks, Ethiopian federal forces took two more towns in Tigray, previously under Tigrayan forces' control. Fred Harta reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
1: Humanitarian sources told VOA that federal Ethiopian troops and allied Eritrean forces have taken control of the towns of Aksum and Adwa, the latest in a series of setbacks for forces led by the rebel Tigray People's Liberation Front. Tigrayan forces retreated from Adwa after suffering heavy losses, one of the sources said. Last Tuesday, pro-government forces captured Shire in northwest Tigray, a major urban hub that hosts hundreds of thousands of people displaced by two years of fighting. The government has vowed to take control of the Tigray region's airports and federal institutions. The news comes as negotiators for the federal government and the Tigray forces arrive in South Africa for peace talks convened by the African Union. Diplomats have urged the parties to agree to a ceasefire, with US Secretary of State Antony Blinken sounding the alarm Friday over reports of significant loss of life, destruction, indiscriminate bombardment and human rights abuses in northern Ethiopia. More than half a million people have been displaced in northwest Tigray alone since fighting resumed on August 24, with tens of thousands more uprooted in the neighbouring
0: Amhara region. Fred Harter, for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The peace talks on the Tigray conflict come after the Ethiopian military and its allies captured several large towns in Tigray, a region in northern Ethiopia, over the past week. Paul Nantulia, an East African expert with the United States Institute of Peace, tells VOA's Carol Van Dam there are several reasons the negotiators are being secretive about the location of the talks.
3: The reason why there's a a, a lot of secrecy surrounding these uh, discussions is because uh, there are very many sensitivities uh, involved. The first is uh, Ethiopia in its capacity as the seat of the African Union. Uh, that in itself is, 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 is a complicating factor because there is a deep aversion within the African Union for member states uh, to essentially intervene uh, in Ethiopia's uh, uh, a crisis where Ethiopia is a party to a conflict that is taking place on its territory. That is always very, very uh, dicey and very sensitive. And so you're not going to see the African Union play the sort of forceful role, for instance, that it played in Gambia. Uh, then you have the African Union. There are complications around, around the African Union effort uh, because the, the TPLF uh, and the Tigray uh, community uh, more broadly, the Tigray political elite, are highly suspicious uh, of the African Union, in particular, uh, the Special Envoy uh, uh, Obasanjo. And the source of that tension is the controversial elections uh, that were held amidst this crisis. Um, and, you know, the U.S. involvement should not surprise us. And uh, U.S. diplomats being being in Pretoria, if they are in Pretoria or anywhere else in South Africa, should not surprise us because the U.S. is engaged, uh, just as the EU uh, just as, uh, as, as, as African Union and, 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 and other countries. So it shouldn't surprise us that the United States is really, really pushing for a solution to this crisis.
4: The uh, Ethiopian military and their allies,
5: including the Eritrean troops, are in mm. a stronger position now than the TPLF on the ground as they captured several large towns in Tigray in recent days. What does that mean going into these talks?
3: Well, uh, clearly, uh, you know, one of the things we tend to see in uh, these sorts of conflict resolution processes, you know, you tend when when the government is a protagonist, you know, you tend to see ahead of uh, major talks. You tend to see efforts by government forces to secure as much territory as they can so as to strengthen their negotiating position at the table, at the negotiating table.
5: What do you see are the chances of the two sides? There's other parties at the table, but what do you see the chances of these two sides reaching a negotiated settlement right now?
3: Uh, There would have to be significant, significant external pressure by external powers, by external actors in Ethiopia, uh, because right now, uh, left on their own, neither side believes that it can secure its political objectives at the negotiating table. This is just a fact.
0: That's Paul Dantulia, an East Africa expert with the U.S. Institute of Peace, speaking with my colleague Carol Van Dam. The United States and Britain on Sunday warned of a possible terrorist attacks in Nigeria's federal capital Abuja. The U.S. and British mission said such attacks could target government buildings, places of worship and schools. Other places mentioned are shopping malls, law enforcement facilities, and international organizations. Nigeria's top security body, the Department of State Services, or DSS, has reacted to the security alert and asked Nigerians to be calm but vigilant. David Awarawo is a professor of international relations and strategic studies at the University of Lagos. He's also the head of the Department of History and Strategic Studies at the University. He spoke to reporter Mike Mboni about the security alert raised by the U.S. and British missions in Nigeria. He says the security alert will assist the Nigerian government respond to threats in the country.
4: The warning is, uh, is in order... Uh, the United States and the United Kingdom are, are not countries that are giving to releasing information not based on you know, serious intelligence. So um, it's in order because uh, uh, it will guide the Nigerian government's response and their actions uh, so that uh, whatever criminals and terrorists are planning... Uh, the government will be able to, you know, respond effectively and ensure that uh, 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 it going not happen. Uh, so, uh, in, in Nigeria, we are happy that uh, we are getting information uh, like that because uh, uh, it's actually through intelligence that one is able to actually combat uh, terrorism.
5: All right, sir. The warning is also said that such attacks could take place at uh, government buildings, places of worship and schools. What should be done in this regard by Nigeria's security uh, operatives or agencies? They need to. They need to uh,
4: try to get some. The Nigerian government needs to try to get. I, I will imagine that the information that the UK and US governments have put out is a general one, and that in the, their interaction with the Nigerian government, more specific uh, information will be provided. Uh, intelligence sharing is a part; is, is an important part of uh, bilateral relations, especially in this era of uh, uh, expansion of terrorist activities. Um, so, uh, the information I will be giving to the Nigerian government, I would imagine that uh, Nigerian, government will be a, the Nigerian government will share it across uh, uh, across the security agencies and forces, uh, such that there will be they will step up um the security in all those places in schools in place of worship in government buildings um and uh, they would they would show that uh, uh you know they are, you are able to pin down where you know these uh, the threats are coming from so as to you know prevent it from from, from from taking place. We recall that when the Nigerian prison in Abuja was, uh, the prison in Abuja was uh, attacked a couple of months ago, we also you know, uh, heard that there was intelligence that was presented, but you know, the, the agencies didn't uh, follow through with intelligence. And it came to be just exactly how the intelligence was presented. So we would uh, expect that this time around, they'll be more serious, they'll step up security in those places uh, so as to ensure that uh, the attacks do not
0: take place. That was David Aworawo, Professor of International Relations and Strategic Studies at the University of Lagos. He spoke with reporter Mike Mbonier on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Sudan has fired a commander in southern Blue Nile province following last week's clashes that killed at least. 220 people. The Associated Press reports Major General Rabi Abdullah Adam has replaced Major General Ramzi Babakar. The change in command follows two days of violence between the Berta people and the Hausa community in the town of Wad el Mahi on the border with Ethiopia. Local authorities say scores of women and children died in the clashes. Officials have declared a nighttime curfew on the town. A Democracy Group says the military government, which sent in enforcements to prevent further unrest, has failed to protect ethnic groups in the area. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyus Wuhib in Washington. Please note, we have moved our programs from voanews.com to voaafrica.com. There, you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. South Africa's president, Cyril Ramaphosa, has pledged to implement recommendations by the country's state capture commission. The recommendations are the result of four years of hearings into allegations that former president Jacob Zuma appointed cronies who siphoned off state-owned assets worth at least 500 billion rands, almost 30 billion dollars. Darren Taylor reports.
6: Former President Jacob Zuma denies wrongdoing. He says the State Capture Commission's inquiry was designed to eliminate him as a political threat to President Cyril Ramaphosa. Zuma describes state capture, in other words, taking control of state enterprises to steal the assets as a fabrication. But Ramaphosa told the nation it had almost destroyed South Africa.
5: When our power stations fail, when our national airline closes routes and cancels flights, when the employees of a state-owned enterprise are not paid, and when our security services are slow to respond to public unrest, we feel the hand and effects of state capture.
6: Some of Zuma's allies, including former cabinet ministers, are being prosecuted for allegedly plundering public companies. Investigators and many in the public say their actions have plunged South Africa into years of long power outages. Transportation services such as rail have collapsed, roads are crumbling, water pipes are dry. Two of Zuma's alleged co-conspirators, Indian businessmen Atul and AJ Gupta, are in jail in Dubai awaiting extradition to South Africa, to face charges of alleged financial crimes. The Commission found that taxpayer money intended to maintain and upgrade essential infrastructure was stolen. In a major speech on Sunday, Ramaphosa said this was never investigated because Zuma appointed friends to lead law enforcement institutions such as elite police unit The Hawks.
5: We have appointed new leadership at The Hawks an institution that was targeted for weakening, which has secured 4,500 convictions for corruption and other priority crimes.
6: The president said his administration had established a directorate to focus specifically on corruption linked to state capture. The
5: investigating directorate has to date enrolled 26 cases. It has declared 89 investigations, and 165 accused persons have appeared in court for alleged state capture-related offences. Our law enforcement agencies have to date been granted freezing or preservation orders to the value of 12.9 billion rand. A total of 2.9 billion rand has been recovered and returned to the affected entities, and SARS has collected 4.8 billion rand an unpaid taxes arising from the work of the commission.
6: SARS is the South African Revenue Service, another institution allegedly captured and pillaged by Zuma and others. Ramaphosa said investigators had identified almost 600 individuals and more than 1,000 companies that may have benefited from state capture. Journalists, civil society groups and others began exposing the alleged corruption of the Zuma administration from its inception in 2009. During his speech, Ramaphosa thanked them. But he didn't mention that he and the ANC had either ignored the reports or dismissed them as lies. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
0: Ugandan officials report 11 more cases of Ebola since Friday, nine in Kampala and two outside the capital. The country's health ministry says it is tracing the contacts of those patients to treat those who have been exposed to the Sudan strain of the hemorrhagic virus. So far, authorities say that 75 cases have been confirmed since September 20, including 28 deaths. 19 cases are now reported to be active. Officials are investigating the source of the outbreak, which health workers say could have been caused by human contact with an infected animal or by eating its raw meat.
5: Startups and small and medium-sized enterprises are changing the way Africa does business through innovation and technology. From agriculture, telecommunication, health, and so many sectors, young entrepreneurs are infusing vibrancy and energy into the African economy. Big business is watching and ready to support Through the 2022 Africa Digital Innovation Competition, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and its prestigious partners are providing cash awards and mentorship support to three of Africa's top innovators, chosen from 17,000 candidates from 50 countries in North, Central, East, West, and Southern Africa. The Voice of America interviewed the top 10 candidates from where the finalists will be picked. Here is one of them.
7: My name is Imadou Abiyoro. I'm a medical doctor and co founder and CEO of Health Botics Limited, the creators of Lendano. I'm 28 years old and I'm from Uganda State here in Nigeria. I applied to the 2022 Africa Digital Innovation Competition because of my belief in the US Chamber of Commerce, as they were one of the first organizations that helped us and gave us uh, support back in the early days of our pilots. What it means to me to be one of the top 10 finalists is a testament to the incredible amount of work that my colleagues and I have put at London Arm. Arm being one of the top 10 innovations at this competition means that conversation is changing. People are now paying attention to what happens at the last mile of healthcare delivery, and that makes us very happy. And Lendenham is a single turnkey solution for hospital procurements at the last mile. So typically, what would happen would be that hospitals would interface with almost five, six different agents before getting their procurement needs every single month. Lend-An-Arm is a solution that centralizes that entire process, allowing hospitals to get all of their required inputs from a single access point. We source and procure and deliver to their doorstep. Stockouts are the single most common cause of mortality in primary health care. Stock out of drugs, oxygen, blood, and essentials like that. These are the problems that Am specifically tackles. The Hospitals we support see an average of 1,500,000 patients in a year, about 20 to 30 patients every day. And when you add that together, that's over a million patients every year that these hospitals see. What's the first thing I would do if we win the competition? That's very interesting. i will probably call my co-founder, share the good news with them and probably call my parents as well. But most importantly, I would be sure to inform uh, current customers that their plights and the solution we're providing to so that has gotten international recognition and support from the people who really matter.
0: That's Imodeo Abioro from Nigeria. His company, Lend an Arm, uses a mobile application and a 24-7 call center to serve as logistics hub for medical facilities around Nigeria. The company is one of the 10 finalists in the Africa Digital Innovation Competition for African Startups organized by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's U.S.-Africa Business Center. Britain has a new Prime Minister after Lee Truss resigned from the office on Thursday. Mimi Montgomery with the Associated Press has more. Britain's ex-Treasury chief Rishi Sunak gets his shot as Prime Minister. Sunak ran for Britain's top job and lost. Then he got a second chance. He will be Britain's first leader of colour, the first Hindu to take the job, and the youngest Prime Minister for more than 200 years. Victory in the Conservative Leadership Contest is also vindication for Sunak, who warned that former PM Liz Truss's tax-cutting economic plans were reckless and would cause havoc. Praised for overseeing billions in support to workers and businesses during the coronavirus pandemic, he is promising to ease Britain's cost-of-living crisis. I'm Mimi Montgomery. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro and our engineer, John Dryden, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.
6: Or simply the sound
5: and feel of a good beat. Ah! Clear, go! ah!
6: Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM
2: station Saturday.